Thank you, band. Grab a seat. We are going to be reading the Bible now, so I'd encourage you guys to get your Bibles out, be that physical copy on a phone, uh, and open up to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be reading 1 to 7, and we are also going to be reading from ESV. Yes, there's also Ephesians, Ephesians 2 as well. So I'll give you a moment to turn to that. Luke 2, Philippians 2, there we go, should have brought up my cheat sheet, thank you Benny. That was my fault, I led you astray, I was too busy listening to Matt's testimony. So Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7, it's on page 857 if that helps. In those days, a decree went from Caesar Augustus that, the all, that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with, with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. All right, let's turn um, a little bit to um, Philippians chapter 2. So keep turning. It's on page 981. And we're going to be reading from verse 3. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, Matt's going to come up and share with us from that. Thank you, Matt. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please enable us to learn of Jesus, learn from him and become like him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, births births in unusual places aren't new. You may have heard of births in the shower, in the bathroom, in a taxi. The driver has to do more than just go fast. Might have to cut the cord. During the week uh, when I gave a version of this talk, at Newmarch, one of the chaps who's in his 90s came up to me and said, 
uh, he, his, his family died in the Blitz. He was the only survivor. And so he's got a lot of life experience. He said, I, I remember this incident in London where this London bus driver, imagine a big double-decker London bus, uh, was told by the conductor, we used to have conductors back in the day, uh, told by the conductor that there was a woman about to give birth and the bus driver avoided, he actually went off route, he went rogue, he left his route, he went to the hospital he with a full, full bus full of people hoping to go home, but they didn't, they go, went to the hospital and then he dropped them off, he went out, he had about four cigarettes, he was t- <laughs> I was told. Mother and bub went in, he was late, and then he told the conductor after all of this, he said, now, it was my decision, I'm going to wear it, you stay clear. He went in and told his supervisor, and he thought he was going to wear it, but in fact, he comes out with a shake of the hand, well done, well done. You're allowed to be late in your bus route if you're going to deliver a woman to the hospital to have a baby. Recent births have been on the median strips of major roads, airports. Sometimes the mum doesn't even get to the airport. The baby's born on the plane, births on the train, birth on a train platform. I even heard about or read about on the internet a mum giving birth in a tree was in Mozambique. Uh, There were floods. She was up the tree for four days and the medic who was winched down to pick her up got mum, got baby and got to cut the cord as well. You can understand why these sort of things happen in our world, but you might shake your head for some of them. Stuff ups happen. I mean, could you have deferred that trip, that overseas flight, that journey? Could you have maybe just waited? Um, But we might shake our heads and we'd say, look, surely if someone important was going to be born, someone special, son of a king, a president, a rich man, there'd be no such problems, would there? Um, A rich or powerful person have all the doctors, all the nurses, all the midwives, all on tap, ready to go for when that great event happens and the welcoming of the new important person. Think of Princess Kate. Princess of Wales, or Princess Mary of Denmark, our own Tasmanian princess. Do you reckon there'd be any problems with her getting the right medical attention at the time of birth? I reckon if all of the midwives and the doctors weren't gathered around her waiting, they'd say, send in the chopper, like airlift, bring her to the hospital, quick smart. There'd be no problem. The whole country would make room for the new, expected and longed-for baby. Not so with Jesus. The birth of this baby, Jesus, seems to have come at a time when his society and community were least ready to make room for him. He seems, if the way people are acting around him, he seems to be nothing special and he's going to have to make do with what is poor parents can forage around for him. He comes into the world when there's many kings. There's, in fact, many, many kings and the king of kings. The king of kings is Caesar Augustus, Octavian. He is the absolute monarch to whom local kings and governors like Quirinius go to receive their power. He dispenses authority. 
He delegates authority as the king of kings and he declares a census, most likely for tax purposes because kings want money, they want revenue. He also probably wants to work out who can I put in my army, who can I conscript to work and so he declares an empire-wide census. Now he's not too worried about any inconvenience that his plans might cause, particularly to those in the backwaters of Galilee. Um, And Joseph, from the family of David, an ancient Jewish family, returns to his ancestral hometown. He obeys the government. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Unless they're telling us to disobey God, we need to obey the government. And he returns to the property of his clan and tribe. It involved a long trip for him and his wife. No Ubers then. No taxis. You know what taxis are? No No Ubers, no taxis, no trains, no buses, no bicycles. If you're lucky, you get a donkey. Jews didn't have horses because God said, I don't want you going back to Egypt to have horses. Horses are your, your, your apex weapon. It's your tank. You don't need horses because you've got me. So you and just use donkeys. And so that's why, at best, he would have had a donkey. I don't know what it's like riding a sheep. I don't think it's real good, is it? So, at best, she would have had a donkey. Though the Bible doesn't mention it, but since Joseph was a house builder, carpenter house builder, uh, he probably would have had a donkey, or at least access to one. Nazareth to Bethlehem. That's 150 kilometres if you go along the ridges. Uh, You could go a different way, and that involves a big um, climb. So it's probably um, a bit like walking from the CBD of Sydney to Lithgow. Go over the Blue Mountains. Anyone up for that? What about a nine-month-old pregnant woman? Oh, it's all right. You'll be in a donkey. (laughs) There'll be a few hill climbs. Before planes, trains, coaches, limousines, or even pushbike, This is what Mary and Joseph had to do. And the best they could have managed, maybe they had a donkey, but the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, Mary was heavily pregnant. Let's just say, I haven't had a baby, but let's just say it wasn't real comfortable. Not real comfortable. Mary might say to the angel, may it come to pass just as you have said, but that doesn't mean you'll get a limousine ride. Even when you're part of God's plan, God's decided that he's going to work through you for the salvation of the earth, you don't get a comfy seat. You don't get a window seat. You might have to go walking and at best on a donkey. When Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem, they find that there's no room for them. There's no accommodation uh, it almost certainly wasn't an inn with an innkeeper the way we would think about it, you know, a motel, hotel, motel. It's probably not like that. Um, Bethlehem was a small town, not a thousand residents there. Probably Mary and Joseph would have been staying with extended family or cousins um, and in one of the houses in Bethlehem. And these kind of houses have been dug up. We've, got, we've seen these houses, they've been reconstructed uh, and there's archaeology that tells us what these houses were like. 
they were made of stone and wood. They had three rooms, or better, two rooms for humans to live in in one room for the animals to live in or to take shelter in. There was upstairs and downstairs and an adjoining stable for animals. Upstairs, accessed by a ladder, that was mum and dad's bedroom. Gave them a bit of privacy. Downstairs was a living room. That's where the kids slept and their mates when they had a sleepover. And any guests, they roll out a mat, slept there at night, rolled it up, put it away, and then they could eat and live in that room. That was the nature of life. They had an outdoor barbecue area like we do, most of us at home. And there was a room next door, rock walls, rock ceiling, room next door, which was for the animal shelter. had a low set of windows so that the air could come in and out, so that it could be cool or, or warm, depending on what needed to be. The animals in cold weather would go in and they would be your central heating for the house. The animals would heat up the house because they were right next door and the little windows would allow the bodily warmth of the animals into the house. So it was nice and cosy. Um, when I was the rector of Mulgawa, we had a bell tower and bees came and lived in our bell tower. They made their hive there and it was like a little machine and you touch the wall and it was hot. All of these bees were give, it sounded like a, an electrical appliance was going on behind the wall and the heat was coming off them. So you can imagine if family had a donkey and sheep and goats and it was a cold winter's night, the heat would come in from that room into the living room and hot air rises, doesn't it? Go up to mum and dad, they'll be warm too. Clever. They were clever at building their houses, weren't they? We mustn't think that we're smarter than the ancient people. They are pretty smart. Our houses won't be lasting a thousand years, will they? But theirs do. Theirs did. All right. So the inn was that lower room of a relative's house. Um, And Mary and Joseph get there, and what do they find? But everyone's come. It's a census. Everyone has to turn up. Um, and you know when you go on a bus or a train and you've got a seat when you walk into the train or the bus, please vacate this seat for a disabled or elderly person or an expectant mother, you know that one? Right? That's a good thing, isn't it, don't you think? As I'm getting old, you know someone got up for me <laughs> the other day. <laughs> really? Okay, that's lovely, thank you, and I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm getting that that way, aren't I? Getting a bit old. That's a good thing we have that in our society, that we get up for pregnant women and old people, that they should have the seat because it's hard work being old and pregnant and disabled. Well, it appears that Mary and Joseph, when they turn up to their Rello's house, no one says, oh, you can have my seat. Maybe they didn't ask. Maybe they just looked in, saw all the madness and the kids and everyone there and said, it's okay. We'll make do. We'll go next door. We'll go into the stable. The picture we're given is 
of the birth of the one whom the angel said, he'll be great and called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This is the one who was born. He can't even find enough space to be born in the normal living area. He might be promised the throne of his father. He hasn't even been promised a crib and he doesn't get one. It's another reminder, you see, of the dangers of reading off whether God is blessing you from your current experience, from health, wealth, comfort, privilege. Uh, That's the prosperity gospel. Um, It's the dangers of the prosperity gospel. Can I tell that God is blessing me if all I can do is give birth to a baby in a stable? Actually, you are the most blessed of women. You are the most blessed. You can't read off whether God is blessing you from your material circumstances. For Mary is part of God's purposes to save the world. Jesus is God the Son. Joseph is stepdad to the Messiah. Yet they have to learn to make do. Now after Mary gives birth, she wraps the newborn baby in swaddling clothes. Do you know what swaddling clothes are? It's not a jumpsuit. It's not what it is. It's rags ripped up. He is the king of the universe, the creator of the world, put, laid in rags, wrapped in rags, and he's put down in the farm animal's feeding trough. Can I borrow the budgie's cage? I just need the floor of the budgie's cage to just hold my baby. It's pretty much what we're looking at. Doesn't it tell us something about the king of the universe? The king of the universe, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, is humble. He's humble. He might be God the son, but he wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. The king is humble. In due course, he'll be humiliated. Humility frequently comes from being humiliated. That's how it works. And he is humiliated. He is the suffering servant. He is born. He grows up in poverty. He's looked after. He's cared for, but he's not rich. He grows up. And the way to the throne of his father, David, is through the cross. It's through selfless service, testifying to the love of God, testifying to the law of God, and his love for sinful people and then heading to the cross for your salvation and for mine. He will be declared with power the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The thing about resurrection from the dead is you have to die to get resurrected from the dead. So he'll be declared with power as the Son of God as who he is by going through death and then from death being raised. In other words, he will allow death to gobble him up and then he will punch a hole through it, bursting through death, defeating it from within. That's what our king does. He's humble, takes on our obligations for us, fulfills them and goes and defeats our enemies, our enemies sin, death and hell. 
And if our king is humble, what about you and me? If he endured such humble conditions, what cause do we have to complain about some of the things that we're tested with, that we're tried with? The Apostle Paul in our New Testament uh, epistle, in our letter, reading from Paul's letter, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I am God. I'm equal with God. I am God the Son. It's okay. I'll leave it and I'll become human and I'll take up all the obligations that humans have to obey God and love neighbour and I'll do it in humility. I won't have an easy road. There's no nepotism. I will take the difficult road to win salvation for them. He was thinking of us when he became human. So here's one project for this week. Uh, It's nice just to have one thing to take away from the sermon. Here's the one thing I want you to take away with. And this is my project for the week. Let's copy Jesus' humility. He's our king and this is the way he acts. He's humble. Let's try for a week to learn contentment. Let's learn maybe restraining our demand for something better, a better situation. Let's bear with it. Let's, in the words of John Williamson, let's tie it up with wire to keep the show on the road. I don't have to have everything 100%. I might just show resilience. I might do what the fireys do, adapt and overcome. I've got a problem. I'm not going to have a dummy spit. I'm not going to have a tanty. I'm going to adapt and overcome. Put my big boy pants on and work out. Problem solve. Because it's not being born at the bottom of a budgie's cage, is it? It's not too bad. I think I can do that. My Lord was prepared to do that. So what can I endure for the sake of others this week? That's the one project I want to leave you with today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his humility. Please help us copy it. We're so used to ease and comfort and doing what we want, when we want. Please teach us what our Lord Jesus learnt, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He was made perfect through suffering. And Lord, please give us just enough suffering, not too much suffering that will drive us from you, but just enough suffering to shape us into the image of Jesus, God in the flesh, who was humbled for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.